Holy Times. The Pasha of Amor contains a chapter dedicated to the festivals of the Jewish year. There are five such passages in the Torah. Two, both in the book of Exodus, are very brief. They refer only to the three pilgrimage festivals, Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukkot. They don't specify their dates, merely their rough position in the agricultural year, nor do they mention the specific commands related to the festivals. So that leaves three other accounts, one in our parasha, a second one in Numbers 28-29, and a third in Devarim chapter 16. And what's striking is how different they are. This isn't, as critics maintain, because the Torah is a composite document, but rather because it comes at its subject matter from multiple perspectives, a character of the Torah mindset as a whole. So the long section on the festivals in Sefer Bermidbar in the Book of Numbers is wholly dedicated to the special Musaf, the additional sacrifices brought on holy days, including Shabbat and Rosh Chodesh. A memory of this is, of course, preserved to this day in our Musaf prayers for those days. Those are the holy times from the perspective of the tabernacle, the temple, and later the synagogue. The account in Devarim is about society. Moses, at the end of his life, told the next generation where they'd come from, where they were going to, and the kind of society they were to construct. It was to be the opposite of Egypt. It would strive for justice, freedom, and human dignity. One of Devarim's most important themes is its insistence that worship be centralized in the place that God will choose, which, of course, turned out to be Jerusalem. The unity of God was to be mirrored in the unity of the nation, something that couldn't be achieved if every tribe had its own temple, sanctuary, or shrine. And that's why when it comes to the festivals, Devarim speaks only of Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukkot, and not Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, because only on those three festivals was there a mitzvah of Aliyah Laregel, of going as a pilgrim to the temple. Equally significant is Devarim's focus, not found elsewhere, on social inclusion. It wasn't just you who was to celebrate, but you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, the Levites within your gates, and the stranger, the orphan, and the widow living among you. Devarim is less about individual spirituality than about the kind of society that honors the presence of God by honoring our fellow humans, especially those at the margins of society. The idea that we can serve God while being indifferent to our fellow human beings is utterly alien to the vision of Devarim. Which leaves Emor, the account in this week's parasha. It, too, is distinctive. Unlike the accounts in Shemot and Devarim, it includes Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. It also tells us about the specific mitzvot of the festivals, most notably Sukkot. It's the only place in the Torah where the Arba Minima mentioned the four kinds and the mitzvah, the command to live in a sukkah. However, the account in Emor has various structural oddities. The most striking one is the fact that it includes Shabbos in the list of the festivals. This wouldn't be strange in itself. After all, Shabbat is one of the holy days. What is strange, though, is the way it speaks about Shabbat. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and say to them, the appointed times Moadei Hashem of the Lord, which you are to proclaim, Shetikruotam, as sacred assemblies, Mikrai Kodesh. These are my appointed festivals. These are Moadai. 
Six days shall you work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of Sabbaths, a day of sacred assembly, Mikra Kodesh. You are not to do any work. Wherever you live, it is a Shabbat to the Lord. Then there's a paragraph break, after which the whole passage seems to begin again. These are the Lord's appointed times, uh, festivals, sacred assemblies, which you are to proclaim at their appointed times. So we have here a very strange structure with two beginnings, and it puzzled the commentators. Even more puzzling was the fact that the Torah here seems to be calling Shabbat a Moed, an appointed time, and a Mikra Kodesh, a sacred assembly, which it does nowhere else. As Rashi puts it, what has Shabbos to do with the festivals? The festivals are annual occurrences. Shabbat is a weekly one. The festivals depend on the calendar fixed by the Beit Din. That's the meaning of Asher Tikru'u Otam Adam, the sacred assemblies which you are to proclaim at their appointed times. Shabbat, however, doesn't depend on any act by the Beit Din and is independent of both the solar and the lunar calendar. Its holiness comes directly from God and from the dawn of creation. So bringing together these two under a single heading seems to make no sense. Shabbat is one thing, Moadim and Mikrei Kodesh are something else. So what connects the two? Rashi tells us it's to emphasize the holiness of the festivals. Whoever desecrates the festivals is as if he had desecrated the Sabbath, and whoever observes the festivals is as if he had observed the Sabbath. That is, Rashi, and the point he's making is that we can imagine someone saying that he respects Shabbat because it's God-given. But the festivals must be of an altogether lesser sanctity because, first of all, on them, Certain kinds of work are permitted, like cooking and carrying, and second, because they depend on a human act of fixing the calendar. So the inclusion of Shabbat, according to Rashi, is to negate this kind of thinking about the festivals. Ramban offers a very different explanation. Shabbat, he says, is stated before the festivals for the same reason as it was stated before the command to begin on the construction of the Mishkan, to tell us that just as the command to build the Mishkan, the sanctuary, does not override Shabbat, so the command to celebrate the festivals doesn't override Shabbat. So, although we may cook and carry on festivals, but if the festival happens on Shabbat, we may not do so. By far the most radical explanation was given by the Vilna Gaon. According to him, the word six days shall you work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of Sabbaths, does not apply to days of the week. It applies to days of the year. Why? Because there are seven holy days specified in our Parsha. The first and seventh day of Pesach, one day of Shavuos, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, the first day of Sukkot, and Shemini Atzeret. That's seven in all. On six of them, we are allowed to do some work, like cooking and carrying, but on the seventh, Yom Kippur, we are not, because Yom Kippur is called Shabbat Shabbaton, a Sabbath of Sabbaths. So uh, on festivals, what's forbidden is Melachet Avodah, burdensome or servile work, whereas on Shabbat, on the seventh day, what is forbidden is Melacha, that is, any work at all, even if it isn't burdensome. So, says the Vilna Gaon, Yom Kippur is to the year what Shabbat is to the week. The Vilna Gaon's reading, which is, as I say, very radical, allows us to see something else. 
that holy time is patterned on what I call in the introduction to my Siddur fractals. That is the same pattern at different levels of magnitude. So what we see is the structure of the week, six days of work followed by a seventh that is holy, is mirrored in the structure of the year. Six days of lesser holiness plus the seventh, Yom Kippur, of supreme holiness. And as we'll see in two chapters' time in Parsha's Bahar, the same pattern appears on an even larger scale, six ordinary years, followed by the seventh, the year of Shemitah, the year of release. Wherever the Torah wishes to emphasize the dimension of Kedushah, of holiness, and the word Kodesh appears in one form or another, 12 times in uh, our parsha in chapter 23, it makes systematic use of the number seven and the concept of seven. So there are seven holy days in the annual calendar. There are seven paragraphs in the chapter. The word seven or seventh occurs repeatedly 18 times in this one chapter, as does the word for the seventh day, Shabbat, in one or other forms, which appears 15 times in this chapter. The word harvest appears seven times. So, however, it seems to me that there is another story as well that Vayikra 23, our Pasha, is telling us, and it's a very spiritual one. Recall the argument we made earlier in commentary to Shemot, and it's one that's shared by Yehuda Halevi and Ibn Ezra, is that Almost all the 40 chapters between Exodus 24 and Leviticus 25 are a digression brought about because Moses argued that the people needed God to be close, not at the top of the mountain, but down at the bottom in the midst of the camp. The people wanted to encounter God not only as a terrifying power overturning empires and dividing the sea, but also as a constant presence, a close presence in their lives. That's why God gave the Israelites the sanctuary, which occupies the last third of the book of Shemot, and the service of the sanctuary, which has been basically the book of Vayikra up till now. That's why the list of the festivals in Vayikra emphasizes not the social dimension that we find in Devarim, or the sacrificial dimension that we find in Bamidbar, but rather the spiritual dimension of the encounter, closeness, the meeting of human and divine. This explains why we find in this chapter, more than any other, two key words, Mo'ed and Mikra Kodesh, and both of them are much deeper than they seem. The word Mo'ed doesn't just mean an appointed time. We find the same word in the phrase Ohel Mo'ed, meaning the tent of meeting. So if the Ohel Moed was the place where man and God meet, then the Moedim in our chapter are the times when we and God meet. This idea is given beautiful expression. In the last line of the mystical song we sing on Shabbat Yedid Nefesh, Maher Ehov Kiva Moed, Hurry, beloved, for the appointed time has come. Here, Moed means a tryst an appointment made between lovers to meet at a certain time and place. As for the phrase Mikra Kodesh, it comes from the same root as the word that gives the whole book its name, Vayikra, meaning to be called, to be summoned in love. A Mikra Kodesh isn't just a holy day. It's a meeting to which we have been called in affection by the one who holds us close. 
Much of the book of Vayikra is about the holiness of place, the sanctuary. Some of it is about the holiness of people, the Kohanim, the priests, and Israel as a whole as a kingdom of priests. And in chapter 23, the Torah turns from the holiest of holiness of place and of people to the holiness of time and to the times of holiness. We're spiritual beings, but we are also physical beings. We can't be spiritual close to God all the time. That's why there has to be secular time and holy time. But one day in seven, we stop working and enter the presence of the God of creation. And on certain days of the year, the festivals, we celebrate the God of history. The holiness of Shabbat is determined by God alone because he alone created the universe. The holiness of festivals is partially determined by us, i.e. by the fixing of the calendar, because history itself is a partnership between us and God. But in two respects, they are the same. They are both times of meeting, Mo'ed, and they are both times when we feel ourselves called, summoned, invited as God's guests, Mikra Kodesh. We can't always be spiritual. God has given us a material world with which to engage, but on the seventh day of the week, and originally seven days in the year, God gives us dedicated time in which we feel the closeness of the Shekhinah and are bathed in the radiance of God's love. Shabbat Shalom.